On today's Locked On NBA, the Bucks get one game closer to the NBA Finals. College players are allowed to use their name, image, and likeness for their own profit now. And another power ranking, a great one coming up on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tell me about your teammate. I love it, man. He's so incredible. You know, he does a bit of everything for us. He gets the crowd going. He gets us going when he makes big plays, whether it's a steal, offensive rebound, score, and one. He's always bringing energy, playing hard, and I just love that so much about him. I love that guy. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, and joining me, as always, on a Friday, host of Locked On Nuggets from DNVR, Adam Mars. What you got for me? And a dud of a game, a little, a little bit of a dud of a game, but an interesting day in sports. So we'll have a lot to talk about. Am I doing it? Am I doing the Bobby Portis eyes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, is that what you're? I was looking at you. I was like, "What am I, Mike?" On that was the Bobby Portis. And you know what's funny? Uh, Reggie Miller called him Several crazy times. eyes tonight, like, which what? is what I always. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that called. I thought that was my nickname for Bobby Portis, but. You know, apparently that's everybody's nickname <laughs> oh, for him. Oh, man. He's like the guy that set the Guinness Book of World Record for, like, being able to pop his eyes out, like, out of his head. Have you ever seen that? You got the <laughs> Guinness Book of World Records when you were a kid? I, I love Bobby Porter. I got to say, we're, I know we're going to talk about him. I love Bobby Porter. Not even as a basketball player, like, as a basketball personality. For someone that punched his teammate at one point, Bobby Porter has really become a, a beloved player. <laughs> Rightfully NBA. so, I hear. So, yeah, we're going to break down so. the uh, – Bucks versus Hawks, quote-unquote, game. If you're watching us on YouTube, which, by the way, go subscribe to the Locked on NBA YouTube channel, and you'll see us on YouTube as well as some of the other shows, hopefully getting every single Locked on NBA show on YouTube every single day. So keep checking back there. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game, 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. So the Milwaukee Bucks win 123 to 112 against the Atlanta Hawks. They get one game closer and literally one game away from the NBA Finals. No Giannis, no Trey Young. Adam, this was just a weird game to watch. So many stakes in this game because if the Bucks win, they're closer. If the Hawks win, they could have been one game away from the Finals. No Giannis, no Trey Young. You had Cam Reddish and Chris Dunn like running plays or trying to run plays at some point during this game. Like, what a bizarre Eastern Conference right. Finals game. It was bizarre. And to be honest with you, not all that compelling in terms of, you know, just the flow of the game. Milwaukee led wire to wire. They were up 20 points, their largest lead in the first quarter. And although it got a little bit close, I mean, they're, you know, at halftime, you're talking about a, a I think it was a nine-point game, so you, you think, okay, it's getting a little bit closer. But it never really felt like the game was in doubt. Um, you know, the Bucks jumped all over them on this one. And I think what was interesting about them as a, as for, in terms of how the game unfolded, you look at the points in the paint, 66 points for the Bucks in the paint tonight to just 36 for Atlanta. And if you'd in watching this game, it was such a deliberate decision by Milwaukee to attack the basket, try to get to the rim, try to dunk everything, just just keep attacking. It wasn't pretty. It was, um, you know, it's like in football, running the ball up the middle <laughs> over and over and over again. That's what Milwaukee was doing. <laughs> Establish the run, man. They were just getting to the basket and and really just punched Atlanta. And Atlanta didn't well, have an a response. Move from the Bucks to not go small. They decided to go big with PJ Tucker at the three, Bobby Portis at the four, Brooke Lopez at the the five, and then Chris Middleton. Like that's your two. He's like six eight. So they decided to go with this huge yeah. lineup against the Hawks with Giannis out instead of 
going small and putting in like Bryn Forbes or Pat Connaughton for Giannis and trying to go small there. So they really did, like you said, establish the paint, establish the points inside. And this Bucks team is really interesting to me because they're such like they're such front runners. If they can get out to a big lead early, like I don't even mean this in a bad way. Like if they get out to a big lead early, they hold on to it, but they really struggle if they are really close to the, in the first quarter. Like they get out to that, you know, they go down to 20, 20 to five run at one point during this game in the first quarter. And you're like, Oh dang, it's over. Yeah. And, and, and they did that in this game, you know, I think 10 to two or something to start. It really was, there was no point outside of the first two minutes of this game where, you know, the Hawks were the ones that were punching. They fought back. They did some things, but Milwaukee, just the aggressor right from the start. And how many times do you watch a game? One of the things I have not enjoyed, I've enjoyed this playoffs a lot. One thing I have not enjoyed, and this has been true for for a lot of years is the team that wins the three point battle usually wins the game. And tonight you look at it only nine, three pointers for the Milwaukee bucks, 15 for Atlanta, Atlanta shoots, almost 40%, the Bucks just 31%. So usually you see that and you think, okay, well then clearly the team with the almost twice as many threes won. But like I said, Milwaukee just relentless in their focus in this game at trying to get into the paint and Not just dominated. Not a big difference in the free throw line either, right? So like the, the Hawks win the – Three point yeah. shooting. The the Bucks get hit three more free throws, so it's that's not even the big difference. But it really was just that points in the paint. They couldn't stop them inside. They tried to. They tried to. You know, the Clint Capella, John Collins. They were they were doing their best or trying to. But man, that Bucks four finally stepped up in Giannis's absence. You had uh, Brooke Lopez, just one of the like. I want to say an all-time Brook Lopez game, but he's had some pretty good ones in his past. Like he's had different iterations of his career where he still is the all-time like Nets leading scorer like in franchise history, which is just wild to think about. So he had that where he was like a 20-point-per-game scorer, and then he went to the Bucks and he beca- became this – actually, he was with the Lakers before that, but he was – you know when he went to the Bucks, he became this three-point shooter, the stretch five and all that, role player, and then now – a little bit every once in a while, you can take over a game. 33 points for him, seven boards, four blocks for him, which, which were massive. And so, and I think all of his points are all but one or two of them came for inside the paint. So he, he was, I mean, he's been a floor yeah. spacer at times. He's been this or that. He was living inside the, he was indicative of the mentality of oh, that 100%. Bucks today. And then we got to talk about Bobby Portis because he was sort of the difference. You expect <laughs> you expect yeah. Middleton, you expect Holiday. That's what they pay those guys for to step up. And Chris Middleton had triple double. Uh, Drew Holiday twenty five and thirteen assists. Like you expect those guys to step up big, especially against this Hawks team. Brooke Lopez, you can you can see it coming. But Bobby Portis, man, coming up right. starting. He didn't really play a ton in that net series. And then I saw a clip of Giannis. I think after Game Seven of that net series, going up to Bobby Portis and saying, "Be ready. We we need you." We're going to need you at some right. point. And boom, they needed him in this game. 22 points for him, eight boards, three assists, three steals, plus 14 in his plus minus there. Hit a three in the fourth quarter that just had Pfizer for him, like going insane. Uh, huge <laughs> game for Bobby Portis. And it's one of these role player games in the playoffs that you just need one of those every once in a while. And you mentioned it. They got performances the Milwaukee did from their their new big three with Giannis out, which is Middleton, Holiday, and Brooke Lopez. They needed you needed another guy to step up, and tonight that was Bobby Portis with his twenty two points, eight rebounds, three assists, three steals. Um, and, and to your point, timely shots. It just felt like he was momentum changing plays. He was always at the heart of it. So he's a guy. You know, his skill set's like interesting. It's a little unbalanced. There's some things he's really great at, some things he's terrible at. But I think he might be a foxhole guy. A game five, both stars are out. It's going to come down to, 
intensity and toughness and and X factors and this or that. And Bobby Portis was ready. For, he was up for that challenge in a way that no other non-star player was today on either team. I wanted to ask this question. I think it's kind of obvious, but which team misses their star player more? It's the Hawks, right? Like, I don't want to be recency biased because the Bucks just won this game, but I think it's the Hawks. Like, they just looked lost at times on offense without Trey Young. They start Lou Williams instead of Trey Young. Uh, it's just they just seemed like they don't have that extra punch, that juice, that thing that kind of makes them go. Well, I think what Trey Young, I, I might actually say, like in a vacuum, it, it would be Giannis. But tonight, Mil- or you know, Milwaukee with Giannis. But tonight, Milwaukee had their game plan that they executed very well. The thing that you noticed with the Hawks tonight was you have to have dribble penetration. You have to put pressure inside uh, off of the dribble, not just off of great ball movement and passing and great offensive game planning. Sometimes you just need a guy that can get into the paint and collapse the defense. And I thought the Hawks, one, they didn't do a good job of that. They settled a lot, especially early. But two, who is it that, you know, Herder's great. Bogdanovich is great. Lou Williams, those guys can all score. But which of those guys can get into the paint at will and just sort of force defense to make rotations? Tonight, I don't think they had that guy um, and they were searching for it. Yeah, they, they didn't have that. And they they had been killing the Hawks or they'd been killing the Bucks in that like little floater range where Trey Young could just get in there and right. hit those little floaters over and then everybody else started to follow suit and it just didn't seem like they were getting that going. Uh, pretty decent game for John Collins, I thought. 19-8 and eight for him. Uh, Bogdanovich finally started to get his shot going. 7 of 16 from the three-point line. Wow. They need that for sure. Uh, then, he looked good. That's a bright spot. He has not looked, I don't think, very healthy and confident. Tonight he looked confident and, look, he was, a, I think, a game worse minus 17, so maybe – temper the praise just a little bit but he did knock down some shots in that fourth quarter the game was kind of already over but got a little bit of rhythm and you know should Trey return having a healthy Bogdanovich really elevates that team quite a bit to see first Trey Young or Giannis play again I think Trey Young Giannis especially being up now in the series three games to two going back to Atlanta I think you probably want to buy Giannis as much time as you can I've I've hyperextended my knee a handful of times in my day without any ligament damage and the one thing I, I know that Giannis is a different <laughs> athlete than I am and his injury like, we I don't do, want to compare we do call too you much. the Greek freak around here so <laughs> that, that is true we, but you know he but with in my experience, you know, that knee does feel a little off for, you know, a, a couple of days all the way up to a week. And if the Bucks are able to repeat this performance in game six and buy him an extra five days of rest before the finals begin, I just think that would be huge for their chances of, of beating the Suns in the finals. Whereas if you rush him back, does he, you know, I just feel like those first couple of days are going to be the scariest in terms of worrying about further damage. Coming up, college players are now able to use their name, image and likeness to make the profit. Let's talk about how that will affect the NBA. Does it change the G League? Does it change what players are going to do in college, their decisions to come out in the draft and all that? We'll talk about that coming up. But I got to tell you about betonline.ag. It's a place to put down some money on sports. Right now, they have uh, odds for all kinds of stuff. They still have a trade prop up for if Joel Embiid is traded, which team will he go to next? I can't imagine that that, that that one has a lot of action. But they just recently, I think today, put up, Next team, if Ben Simmons is traded, Adam, number one, Portland Trailblazers plus 200, Wizards plus 300, Spurs yep. plus 400, Jazz plus 500, Thunder plus, fi- plus yeah, 550. Huh? This is, these are some interesting choices. Uh, Warriors plus 600, Lakers plus 650, Cavs plus 700, Rockets plus 1,000. I don't think he's going back. 
That Lakers one is just to get sucker bets from Lakers fans, man. I'm telling you. They just know the Lakers fans <laughs> will do it. Give us your money. Give us your money. There you go. So if you have a feeling about Ben Simmons and where he'll get traded, if he does get traded this offseason, go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Get a 50% welcome bonus to first deposit. You can put even more money on the Lakers to be the next team that Ben Simmons gets traded to if, if you're so inclined. So go there, betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Adam Mars, let's get into the name, image, and likeness, the NIL. It seems like there's this new tournament or like this new thing, the way that that it's been presented. But athletes are now able to use their name, image, and likeness to make money, to create a profit. They can sell jerseys. They can, uh, or they they can profit off jerseys. They can do billboards, endorsements, all kinds of stuff. Uh, the first thing, before we really get into how this will affect the NBA, the one thing that I noticed from all this, and I'm sure you guys have heard all the talk about this around by now, but athletes can now hire uh, representatives to right. to help them, you know, uh, uh, accountants or, you know, or agents or anything like that to try and figure out marketing agents to try and figure out how to, to best endorse them. And man, it just gave me like this flash of like the, what was the documentary on, um, Oh, who's the Celtics guy that, that blew all this money? Who's the guy I'm thinking of? Uh, oh, Antoine, Antoine Walker. Walker, who just blew all this game. just immediately made me think about getting into bad business deals. And like, these guys are even younger than mm. NBA players, man. That is, that's a scary right. thing to put these guys in charge. And I'm sure there's going to be rules and stuff in place. And uh, the schools, I guess, will try and help them out. But man, to, to, to trust a, a athlete like that, an 18, 19 year old kid to try and, figure out who's going to be best to represent them to have their best interest at heart. Like that was one thing that really stuck out to me is I don't think we're talking about that enough. I mean, it's going to be a big deal. I mean, this is a big deal. This, this ruling I think changed not just college sports, but professional sports is, is we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot with regards to the NBA, but this was a big day and it comes on a, anytime you have a shift that goes from a tradition that has lasted years and decades and decades to all of a sudden now everything is different. And you are in this wild west world where there's very few rules or laws that, you know, like the regulations on this are very few. Mm. They differ state to state, but they're very, very few. And so now you go into the situation where players will be having to make, in some cases, some pretty big financial decisions. You know, that is a lot lot to put on their plate. But the flip side of this is it does seem fair, doesn't it? Just in a vacuum that a player can actually – now sign an autograph, for example, <laughs> or endorse something that uses their name and get profit from it. So it, it's going to be, I think, a messy start. Uh, but I'm really curious to see all of the different layers as it unfolds over the if coming years. If the federal years. government came to a decision and, and decided that, like, hey, overwhelmingly, we decide that this should happen. Yeah, probably. Right. Like, If they can, mm, if they can yeah. agree on something, then it probably should have happened a long time ago. Uh, how does this change? Let's start with just the G League. How does this change the G League? We had the G yeah. League Ignite last year. They had all these guys, Jalen right. Green, the biggest one, Jonathan Kaminga, guys like that. It started to seem like it that had some momentum. There's all these players also going overseas and playing. RJ Hampton was a big one. They got drafted right. by your Nuggets. Like There's all these players that have started to do other things. LaMelo Ball decided not to go to college. What does that change for them? Do, do players all of a sudden go to college, or is it still whoever can just pay the most? <laughs> Well, I think this is what's interesting. And R.J. Hampton was on a podcast in this last week, and he had an interesting quote where he said, look, everybody knows that colleges are paying for recruiting. Like, they're paying you guys. Know which like, everybody knows which podcast that was. It was a Locked on NBA Draft podcast. With, 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 Locked on NBA Draft. I, I knew it, it was, was somewhere. Yeah, so it was R.J. Hampton and his dad, Rod Hampton, were on with Rafael Barlow. Right. And, yeah, R.J. Hampton's dad said – all these colleges are paying. It just, just they're right. not paying $3 million like the New Zealand team that he right. played for. Right. 
And and what's interesting about all this is, okay, we've had some players go and play in Australia lately, you know, say, forget college basketball, I'm going to go make money right away. Uh, we've then had this last year was big for, for as you mentioned, the G League Ignite, and, and the NBA has sort of accommodated the fact that, hey, maybe we can train these guys better and also allow them to be paid ahead of time. Like the NBA has already put this in place. But now I do wonder if that gets thrown out the window because while, yes, maybe – Last year, they weren't able to pay millions of dollars. Now Nike might be able to look at a Zion Williamson at Duke and say, hey, you know what? You're at a place that is far more recognizable than the New Orleans Pelicans. You're at Duke, and maybe you don't want to go to New Orleans. They got the first pick. Maybe you don't want that. Why don't you stay here, and we'll get a shoe deal going for you, and we can have you making the type of money you would have expected to make at the NBA level. I'm I'm so curious if this – takes guys back to the NBA. Not that there was a huge exodus, but there was a small exodus to the Australian League or whatever and the the G League. If if that kind of gets shut off, but not just that, the one and done thing, I wonder if more guys look at their options and say, I'm not risking making no money or blowing out my knee and having nothing. Now I can sign a $5 million endorsement deal because I'm at University of Kentucky and there's all these boosters and everything else. I can get money that's going to insure me in case anything bad happens. Might as well stick around for two, three years. Wait for the right opportunity. Wait till the Chicago Bulls or New York Knicks win the lottery, and then I'm out that of there. That just blew my mind what you just said, that like Zion could decide, all right, I'm a one and done. I'm obviously going to be the number one pick, but if I don't want to go to the Pelicans, if I want to wait a year and see if like the Bulls get the number one pick or somebody else, right. I could just go back to school. Uh, man, that's, that's absolutely mind-blowing because that changes the whole dynamic. And, of course, it's – players dreams to go to the NBA still. I don't think it changes a lot. There's still going to be guys that are like, well, I'm just going to go to the NBA because you have to also think about the long term in the NBA. You want to start and kickstart that second deal as soon as possible, because you could be talking about $3 million, a couple million dollars here, but it's nothing. It's nothing like uh, what? I mean, Luke, 170 million about to make, Luke is about to make $200 million off of his, his first real deal in the NBA off his rookie deal. Uh, that that is just absolutely fascinating. The other thing is that the Adam Morrisons of the world, right, that are like really really good in college mm-hmm. and amazing, and everybody knows who they are. Then they go to the NBA and they're nothing, right? Like that guy, maybe right. he decides to stay. I think he was was he a three or four year player, but maybe he decides to stay. Back back when it wasn't that abnormal, though, is the difference. Is yeah. now it's so abnormal for a top player to come back, yeah. you know, for a second year. It's like shocking when it happens. Um, you are you do raise an interesting point though about. It's not going to be like the number one football player or basketball player. He gets the most money. It is going to be the, oh, this very marketable guy <laughs> who might not even be a first round pick is all of a sudden a superstar and doing all of these endorsement deals. And that that in and of itself, I think, will create some interesting dynamics yeah. as you come into the draft. Yeah, because maybe that changes what a player thinks of themselves. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, I'm the highest paid player. I should go high in the draft. And that might not necessarily be the case. Or maybe teams consider that. They're like, well, this guy made all this money. He's that marketable. Maybe we decide to bring him in. And and, uh, and all right. that, that's all super fascinating. Uh, the, the social media aspect of this is interesting, mm-hmm. too. I know we were talking about this a little bit before, but – you know, some of these guys, it, it's funny sometimes when you look back, I think about this is going to, you're going to laugh when I bring up this, this example, but I think about this with the Kardashians. When I first heard about them in like 2006 or seven, whenever it was, I remember thinking like, this is so weird how they're famous for being famous. And well, what is what was this? it that made you think about the Kardashians? Well, what I'm saying is they were the first influencers. <laughs> they were, they were just ahead of their time. Now the idea of someone being famous for being, yeah, you right. know, having a lot of Instagram followers, that's like Everybody understands that's just a thing. That's how the world works now. And there was a big deal today. 
Um, Hannah and Haley Covender, twins from Fresno, have a big social media presence, a huge following on Instagram, and they just signed a big deal with Boost Mobile. Now, call, you know, collegiate volleyball players, not usually the ones you think like, oh, that's perfect. That's the number one athlete. But they have created their own influence power from their social media. And I think we're going to start to see more and more of that going forward where players, if you're a college player and you're playing a sport that doesn't necessarily lead to lead to a lucrative professional career, maybe you just become extra famous <laughs> through social media and people are steering and try. That's like their main focus where the, the sport they're playing is their secondary focus. Cause that's where you can get the real money. Last question here. Does this improve or does college sports stay the same? I, I think it makes college look, you have to you have to understand who you're asking. I hate college basketball. I love the tournament. I love I love the, the like the excitement of, you know, anybody can win or whatever. But I just think that college basketball has gotten worse and worse over the years because it's a one and done. You're not really building chemistry and all the things that make basketball great. I do wonder if now you're going to get slightly more players who stick around for longer careers. I don't. I still think your top number one picks or whatever. It's going to be hard for them to pass up unless the situation I outlined where they don't want to go to a team and they feel like they're making enough money. But I think that'll be rare. But I do wonder if your 14th pick, your 15th pick, all those guys always look at it and say, "Hey, why do I go to the NBA where it's hit or miss whether I'm going to make it? I'm hearing Oklahoma City wants me. I don't think I fit there." I think that's where you might start to get more and more guys coming back. And those are the types of guys that make college basketball. If they are there for two, three years, all of a sudden you start to have teams that maybe it's not the star, but it's the second best player. That's a second and third year player. And that's where it elevates the game. In my opinion. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll make college basketball better because it was really fun at one point And now it's not necessarily. <laughs> well, let me ask you though. Do you think, I mean, the NBA was positioned with this G league ignite to really, capture a lot of players and I was excited about that and I'm so I'm so curious to see how some of these guys that went through went that route if it really accelerated them and they have they get off to great starts in the NBA I'm so curious do you think that's going to go away it's a one-year flash in the pan like right no sooner did it arrive that this new rule arrived well the one thing that doesn't change right like if you're a player that just wants to get better and you're obsessed with getting better as a player there's still all yeah. the rules about practices and per, like personal trainers yeah, and stuff like that, true. right? It's you can make money and you can still have a good life there. Now, I wonder if you could hire your own personal trainer if you've made enough money to do that. Like you can go practice yeah. somewhere else or like rent out a gym or something because you can't use the school gym for a certain time or whatever the rules are now. But this might get messy to be. And the more you like pull well, on I these know, threads, I, the more you're like, oh I, my god, we're in the I wild. Mean, we haven't west. read the rule book yet, but still. Uh, and we probably never will, to be <laughs> to be honest. But but yeah, I, I think players still will will look at that. And if a Jalen Green or if a Jonathan Kuminga comes out and they're all of a sudden incredible, then maybe I mean th- there'll be marketing that'll be done by the G League and say, hey, it was because they were in the G League and they were doing this and they had the right. best trainers and there was no restrictions on how much they could train and they didn't have to worry about school and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if if that will still appeal to people. Yeah, I think it might. <laughs> the whole idea of going to class while also trying to be the best basketball player you can be. It's just such a, <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's such a difficult yeah, You thing. can make money, but Hey, you still have to pretend to go to like astronomy, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Astronomy. Yes, exactly. Uh, coming up, we got to get into our power rankings of the teams who missed the playoffs that could be in the finals 
over the next couple of years, like the Phoenix Suns just did. We'll get into that. But before we do, I got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There's nine delicious flavors. I eat one of these probably every single day. I have a new box coming right now with the strawberry. That's a new flavor I'm really interested to try. The orange, that one came back after a while. The mint brownie, that one's always a solid. Always go for that one. This mint brownie bar, get one as soon as you can. I think that's the best one that's just always widely available. 130 calories, just four grams of sugar. Four for a bar that's covered in 100% chocolate. They're absolutely delicious. 17 grams of protein there, and then only a couple grams of fat uh, and, and carbs there. Great for a keto diet. They're really good. They're pretty good for you. They taste great. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Adam, let's get into our power rankings. Let's get into the it. The teams that missed the playoffs this year that could do what the Phoenix Suns did in the next couple of years. So, like you mentioned, the Suns had the worst record in the league two years ago, and now they're in the, in the West. In the yeah, West. In the West. In the West. And now they're in the NBA Finals. Happened quick. It was a quick glow up. Man. Um, and even last year, of course, they had that great bubble run, but they did miss out on the playoffs. And then now here they are in the final. So quick turnaround. It's a diamond hang- hiding in plain sight. And I'm going to be honest with you here, Nick. There's only one team that really, I think, like realistically, if you told me they won the championship next year or even two years from now, I would actually believe it. So these are all a stretch. And we'll start off with honorable mention. There are none. No honorable, no mentions. honorable mentions. No honorable mentions. Not even like the Timberwolves or think- something like that. Well, they're, they, Timberwolves are going to be on my list Ooh. here. So number number five, I've got the Chicago Bulls. Mm. And I'll be honest, I would be shocked if they were good within the next two years, like championship-level teams in the next two years. The only reason I put them on my list is they do have one guy who I think could have a Devin Booker-like ascent who's been great, but on you know he's got the Devin Booker tag where it's like he's great but always on a bad team. And that's, of course, Zach Levine, who just scores as efficiently and on volume as – any young guard in the NBA and look, could he lead a team? You get one or two little trades or one guy a- appears out of nowhere that really goes the ne- uh, takes the next step. And now he has a running mate like Patrick Williams, for example, I, I could see it. So I don't, I'm not buying it, but it wouldn't completely blow me away if the Chicago bulls turn the corner. Interesting. I'm the Chicago. Bulls. I had them at five as well on mine. Oh, look at us. We have consensus here. I like it. They at least it. have two all-stars, right? Like you're at least starting with it in, a yeah. decent, in a decent spot. Patrick Williams can be something like you said. When I was doing this exercise, I'm not going to lie. I, Vucevic is there. I, like, I don't know. I just have a hard time <laughs> picturing him as the, as the second best guy on that team, but it's hard to imagine number, him in red. It's always blue, right? Like just every time you think about yeah. him, you think about him. In red. Yeah. You know, but they're another team that like the Suns. You know, they had all the injuries. Like, they were better than what their record was this year. They probably should have been a play-in team or maybe even a playoff team, but they just had so many things go wrong to them after the trade with COVID and injuries that maybe they are a little bit better than we think. So when they make a, if they make a leap this offseason, it'll feel like two leaps, but it really shouldn't have been. Um, number four, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. Another team that I think is significantly better than what their records did, 23 and 49, pretty bad record. Um but they do have Carl Anthony Towns, and they do have Anthony Edwards. They already have two guys that could be, in my opinion, like all-star caliber players as early as, you know, a season or two from now. Um, and, and you add that to, well, I guess they don't have their pick, right? It went to Golden State. But you just add that, you know, still have D'Angelo Russell. 
Um, not sure what other players you look at that you think are, are close to a big breakout. I don't think there is one, but Jaden McDaniels you know, have- is a guy that came on pretty strong at the end of the All year right. and somebody Malik right. Beasley is a guy that like a spark plug off the Beasley, bench. Yeah. Yeah, Beasley, I could see maybe making a leap, probably not. But, you know, but they do have D'Angelo Russell, who I don't think they're looking to trade, but I wouldn't, you know, he's a max contract. So should I know they're one of everybody's favorite trades for Ben Simmons is, you know, D'Angelo Russell, a package around D'Angelo Russell and for Ben Simmons. And look, hey, man, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, you got some Ben Simmons, it could work. That'd be an interesting one. Yeah, Towns is maybe one of the best players that it's, it's, that could be on this list. One of them. There's not probably not too many, right? It's like him and, Obviously, the, yeah. number, the player on the number one team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Um, did you have them on your list, by the way? I thought about them. It's just the West, man. The West is so hard. That's it's true. hard for me to imagine a team like that rising up. But the Suns just did it. So uh, the other the other thing that's interesting in this is the team has to be able to acquire a talent like a Chris Paul. They right. have to do something like they have to put something together where they can acquire an all-NBA talent. And it's just really hard. And I don't know if the Timberwolves are in a position, especially without their pick this year, to do something like that. That's a great point. You're probably you're probably right on this one. Um, number three for me, the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm. Now, you, Zion Williamson. Let's be honest. He easily could be the best player on a championship team. I don't think there's a, much question about that. I haven't loved easily? what I've seen. From, Zion Williamson. I think so. Okay. <laughs> I All think right. so. All right. You don't think he could be the best player on a championship? I don't know contender. about easily. Like, hold on. Like, easily. Like, who are the best players on a championship team that can't shoot a three? Right. Like. I, but I mean, he's like Shaq. Nobody can guard him. I mean, he had how many games in a row did he have twenty points? Like, I know, but it, it but like, is he going to be Giannis when we get to the when, uh, we, when we get to the playoffs? Right, we just haven't seen him in that scenario uh, yet. So I'm curious if that's the fair. way teams. Yeah, it's fair. I'm, just, it's I'm not fair. saying he can't be. I'm just saying you said easily, and I'm I'm pushing back on that. But yeah, continue. All right, okay, it's fair. I mean, you're. It's the same with Minnesota where we look at it. We're like Towns is so good, Anthony Edwards is so good, but. The playoffs are different when teams start actually game planning and everything and taking away your best stuff. Like it, it's completely different. Yeah, Anthony Edwards looks pretty good when nobody cares about playing the Timberwolves and like, ah, that's so easy true. win, right? <laughs> that's so true. Um, so you got New Orleans. I, I think you look at Brandon Ingram. The biggest piece for them is you know a new coach coming in, and it could have a Monty Williams like effect. I, I think they've had some not great coaches. Alvin Gentry, I think had his day. He was a good coach. I don't know if he was the right coach for that team. Of course, Van Gundy clearly wasn't. So maybe they get a coach in there that all of a sudden just unlocks Brandon Ingram, maybe Lonzo Ball if he comes back. Um, To me, me they're head and shoulders above the previous two, but also head and shoulders behind the top two. Yeah, they got a couple guys that could pop too. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyra Lewis, uh, Mm. even like Jackson Hayes, I guess, could still have some breakout potential there. He's a yeah. young. He's he's only twenty years old, so he's still got breakout role player potential. But yeah, for yeah, sure, role player for sure. Right. Yeah, you yeah, gotta get rid of that Eric Bledsoe contract, though, man. That's Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams. Three more, two more years on their deal, and they're just making a combined almost forty million dollars. That's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Oof. Man, number no. two. I don't want to be here. Number two, <laughs> the Toronto Raptors. Oh. Well, first of all, they just won two years ago. Right. And I know they had Kawhi Leonard. It's a big piece. I'm not going to discount it. And I know Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Maybe he's out of there. It sounds like he probably is. But you still have Siakam and Van Fleet. Those are That's like solid pieces. You got OG Ananobi, another solid piece. They did just get this uh, number four pick, which projects mm-hmm. to be a very good player or a very good trade chip. So they have the – look, it's Masai Ujiri. He's never really gone through a full rebuild anywhere he's been. He always – it's like Pat Riley. Every time you think, ah, they're going to have to – 
tear it down and build up again. They flip it immediately and they're back. So I think Toronto, again, I'm not counting on them. There's only one team I actually think legitimately has a chance to win it next year or the year after. But Toronto is a team that I would not be surprised if by the start of next season, they are meaningfully different. Gary Trent, by the way, another guy who I like, who has some upside. I wouldn't be surprised if they were meaningfully different and and really good. Oh, Chris Boucher as well. I have the Raptors at number one. Whoa! <laughs> because I'm going back, I'm I'm dipping back into the this well. It's they're in the East. The Hawks just made the That's Eastern true. Conference Finals, <laughs> like after they have like four players that just got drafted, like within the last two years, that are playing <sighs> meaningful minutes for them. This team already has a champion. They've already been in the championship, right? They have Fred Van Vliet, Kyle right. Lowry. If Kyle Lowry comes back, that's a backcourt. You can just keep, you can plug and play. Yeah. OG and Anobi, Pascal Siakam, Siakam yep. like those guys already have won a title. And so then you can, uh, Nick Nurse is a title winning coach. You add oh, a little yeah. bit of talent here. You take that fourth pick and something else. And then all of a sudden you, you infuse some talent into this team and boom, they're right back into it. Plus I went and looked at their roster and there were 72 games this past season, right? Like every team played the same amount of games this year. We don't have to try and count like last, like last right. season, 52 games for Fred Van Vliet. 56 for Siakam, 46 for Kyle Lowry, 43 for OG Ananobi. Uh, Norman Powell, 42, he got traded. Chris Boucher, 60 games. Like, he was their Iron Man, and he played 60 games. Still That's missed 12 funny. games. Wow. So, if all these guys start playing, maybe this is a team that made the, the playoffs this past year, and they were really close to it at certain points in the season that last year. So, yeah, this is my number one team, with the with the East being, like, the grade on a curve situation. Yeah. Man, you might have talked me into it, Nick, <laughs> to be honest. I... I you're you've more talked me into the fact that this team could like really just flip it really quickly and and, and turn it around and I I really like Gary Trent Jr. and I like his fit mm-hmm. there so you know he's another another guy and Messiah's just not afraid to take big swings man he just he 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 pulls them off as well but come on the number one team it's clearly <laughs> got to be the Golden State Warriors do we forget about the dynasty that is only two years old it's only been gone for two years injury riddled years but Steph Curry he's back. Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. he's back. Draymond mm-hmm. Green, he's back. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Wiseman. You've got Andrew Wiggins to make that salary match. You've got the number seven pick. You've got the number 14 pick. I just, Wiseman seven and 14, some team is going to want that package. And if they happen to have a player that fits perfectly alongside them, I'm sorry. That Warriors team already took the Lakers down to the wire in their uh play-in game they already look were a team that everybody was afraid to play not that they didn't think they couldn't beat them in a playoffs but Steph Curry could always go off they get back together I just think next year the Warriors are going to be a problem and I think that Wiseman 7 and 14 I would not at all be surprised if that turned into a high caliber starter to kind of complete a a, a foursome you know to get get back to a death lineup type type lineup Oh, for sure. No, the Warriors are number two on my list for sure. Clay Thompson, huge wild card to me, like coming back from injuries like that. But we just saw Kevin Durant come back and look like didn't even miss a beat almost. He was a little slower, I guess, if you want to consider that. But he doesn't really move that fast anyway. Clay Thompson uh, moves a lot. But man, that team outside of those guys, though. Whew, they got to make some moves. They got to they got to do something with some of these guys. Like Kevon Looney's coming back. Like, good for him. Right. Uh, other than that, like Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, sure. 
You're like, man, it really sucking wind there on that bench. <laughs> those- I don't know. I'm just saying, if you have your Juan Toscano Anderson, like if you have your main guys, you just need guys that are capable of doing a role. And I think they have three of them. Yeah. They have Pool. They've got Lee. They've got Pascal. Like, or I'm sorry, uh, Pool, Pascal, and Toscano Anderson. Looney, like, okay, him too. Like that, that's a different type of role. But the guys that I think. You look at the Phoenix Suns, you know, and they got contributions from Sarich and uh, Cam Johnson and campaign. <laughs> like, I, I think that I look at those other guys and think, could they have an impact like that? Maybe. And the top end talent between Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and whoever it is that they could trade those pieces if that's the yeah. route they want to go. Uh, that's just that's a really good team to me. I I am picking the Warriors next year to be one of okay. the three or four best teams in the NBA. Okay. He's going back to it. He's he's feeling it. Yeah. If they do make a move with that, if they if they do package Wiseman in those two draft picks and decide to to get somebody, I don't know who they could get, but they do that, then yeah, this this team could be right back in, and they will be anyway. This this team was also like an incredible defensive team last year without Clay Thompson, and hopefully Clay Thompson comes back and he's healthy and he adds to that, and James Wiseman gets a little better with a year, you know, under his belt. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, that team's definitely going to be right. Back Where, in. Where's Damian Lillard from? I, I forgot. The O, right? The Oakland. Oh, wait. That's right. He is. Hmm. Interesting. What would they do with Damian Lillard and Curry? Who takes the final shot? And Clay. You just – Coming up, I'm going to tell you why. Damian Lillard will take the final <laughs> shot on the war. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't, I don't think that deal is going to happen. I just – I'm just throwing out – It's this is this time of year. I've done this now seven years. You know, I've been covering the league seven years. And every time, right during the finals, you're looking around and you're like – we know how free agency in the trade market's going to go. It's going to be this guy, this yeah, guy. Right. And then it always triples. By the time it actually comes around, yeah. five more players get traded that you didn't see coming. And The uh, Nets. Who saw the Nets coming? Right. Stuff. This stuff pops up, man. This pops up. There you go. That's our power ranking. Teams that missed the playoffs this past year that could make a finals next year or even the year after that. Uh, that's our list. Go subscribe to Locked On Nuggets, Locked On Mavs. Good offseason stuff coming every single day and through the through summer league, I guess, through through August. So we'll continue on that on our podcast. Go follow Adam, follow me at Nick Van Exit. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On NBA.